Buckle up, it's time for That's How I Roll with Jeremiah Isley, a podcast about the games we play and the lives we live. That's How I Roll is presented by Theology of Games. Visit theologyofgames.com for the latest in tabletop gaming, news, reviews, and interviews. And now, here's Jeremiah. Hey everyone, Jeremiah here with episode, what is it, 83 now? It's day three of Origins on Saturday. We had an amazing day, and you're going to get to hear some of it right about now. Um, Big, big time fun with lots of cool people bringing very cool games by, uh, including um, folks from Soaring Rhino. uh, Tiffany from Deep Water Games came by again, and we also had Isaac Childress come by to show us his cool play mat that's going to be hitting Kickstarter for Gloomhaven. Uh, so stay tuned. I'm going to just get out of the way and we'll get into this episode and I'll talk to you on the other side. All right. We're sitting here with Rob from White Wizard. Uh, thanks for stopping by. Oh, first of course, of, all, of course. It's Saturday. So I think everybody's got like the brain fry <laughs> happening right now. Yeah. So yeah, this con starts on uh, on Wednesday. You know, like uh, Gen Con starts on Thursday. So right, you know, right. Like, we got a uh, we got an extra day of brain fry. Extra, going on. right. Yeah. So we're we're a little crispy right now, but uh, we're here. It's how's it been for you guys? It's been great over here. Yeah, it's but, been a, uh, it's been a busy show. Um, we actually, uh, uh, I think this has been the best. Uh, Wednesday was, I think, our best gaming Wednesday for okay, uh, nice for the uh, for Origins. It just seemed like there were more. Uh, more players, so it seems. Uh, yeah, it seems like the show's growing. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say it just seems like in general there's more people here. Yeah. Than in the years past, so you've got a prototype to show us. You've got a couple other things to show us. Yeah. So we've got a, um, all, a, a lot a of stuff. Ton of news uh, for uh, for all of uh, all of uh, White Wizard games. We've got uh, um, we've got a, a prototype here of the new uh, Sorcerer game, which is going to be coming out to Kickstarter backers in the fall and the uh, stores uh, for Christmas. Um, we've got the uh, we got some samples of the new Star Realm stuff that's uh, going to be coming to stores uh, uh, soon, and uh, and uh, got some samples of uh, Epic. So we've got lots oh, cool. of lots of new stuff going on. Excellent. Um, so uh, first thing we have here is uh, Sorcerer. This is uh, um, the first sort of big box game yeah. from uh, from White Wizard Games, uh, and also this game is uh, is sort of a more mature theme game than anything we've done before. So right. um, uh, the lead designer for Sorcerer is uh, Peter Schultz. I met him in uh, in Germany a few years back at the Spiel uh, show, okay. and um, he had this game that he was pitching. Uh, and uh, he uh, normally, I, at that show, I'm too busy. I don't really look at new games. But he started laying out components. And the, uh, the artwork and the graphic design was just so beautiful and detailed uh, that it intrigued me. I wanted to take a look. Sure. And, um, uh, and I took a look at the game. It was awesome. Uh, and uh, we've been working together for years sort of to bring it to the point where it's, uh, it's finally ready for production. Um, cool. In, uh, in this game, um, everybody's a bad guy. Uh, so <laughs> um, uh, each player is playing an, uh, an evil sorcerer. Um, the evil sorcerers are trying to take over the world, uh, but they're battling with each other for who's going to be in charge. So you're, uh, um, you're a sorcerer. You're trying to uh, battling another sorcerer for control of Victorian London. So it's, uh, it's a horror fantasy, horror fantasy set in 
uh, in the Victorian era. Um, definitely not a game for the young ones. I don't uh, like. I, I play Star Realms and Hero Realms and Epic with my kids. Not so much Sorcerer. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> right, right. Um, Which we like to you know just point out. Um, you know, there's we we see all kinds of games come through. There's there's horror themed games and yep. science fiction yep. and all that stuff. So this is definitely one that's on that darker side yeah. of the horror thing. And, and, and uh, when, when I looked at, first looked at the game, um, there was, I love the mechanics, but yeah. I was also, um, uh, uh, so I, I, my first thought was, oh, maybe we could take this and do like, you know, like a superhero theme or right, some, right. something. Right, right, reskin it some Reskin way. it, yeah. but then like um, I looked more and like the game designer did so much research into like, different myths and legends around okay. the world and, and had such a rich, beautiful world. I was like, okay, this game's not going to be for everybody, but the people who like this genre, wow, is there right, an amazing for a good game. depth yeah, uh, here. Yeah. So, um, and so, you know, we might reskin the mechanics later, but boy, sure. if you're into like the, if you're into like horror, especially sort of Victorian era horror, this game's you know, beautiful. Yeah, um, yeah. So in the game, um, you're, uh, you at the beginning of the game, each player creates a sorcerer by taking one character deck, one lineage deck, and one domain deck. And uh, so it's super easy to get started. You just grab one, two, three, and right. you're good to go. And you've basically, at that point, built a really cool deck which has all kinds of synergies and different interactions. Right, right. So there's 64 you can combo different... combo up a lot of stuff. Yeah, si yeah. 64 different possible combinations out of the base game alone. Okay. Um, and... Um, so, for example, uh, if I uh, uh, chose um, uh, the Masilda card and uh, the, uh, the Necromancer deck and of the Haunted Forest, then um, my character would be Masilda, the Necromancer, of the Haunted Forest. These cover cards would go uh, in, front of, uh, in front of me, and these powers um, I could activate during the game anywhere where I chose to put my Masilda avatar. So you got a little character avatar that goes uh, with your um, uh, uh, with your deck. Um, cool. And um, uh, during the course of the game, players are constantly engaged because uh, the play always goes back and forth. Um, mm. There are, uh, there's an action phase and there's a battle phase. During the action phase, um, uh, the players take turns taking actions, um, and with an action you can uh, gain energy. Uh, you, you use energy to play your cards. You can uh, 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 cast a spell, which is to play a card from your hand by paying an energy cost. You can uh, meditate to draw two more cards from your deck. You can use uh, activate a power on one of your cards. Your car Some of your cards will say action colon do something awesome. To do that awesome thing, you have to spend an action on it. And right. finally, you can spend an action to reinforce, uh, which is to move your minions around. There are three different battlefields representing different parts of Victorian London. Um, and uh, so, for example, yeah, here we have the battlefield for Old London. And um, as uh, if you damage uh, your, uh, if you deal damage to your opponent, they can choose to either put it on their minions or to put it on their side of the battlefield. If you can get your opponent's side of the battlefield up to 12 damage, you flip it over to the ruined side of the city and you put a control marker on uh, on uh, your side of it. If you can control two of the three battlefields, you win the game. Um, okay. And the battles are resolved using dice. The game comes with... Uh, He's uh, you know, a beautiful set of dice. So these six-sided dice are used for combat. 
So the skulls uh, are hits, the double skulls are two hits, the blanks are misses, and the stars are critical hits. Um, the attacking player gets to decide where the critical hits go. So if you oh, had okay. an opponent's minion who only had one health left, you could do a damage to that and kill it before it could attack. Mm. Um, and the regular damage is assigned by the defending player. So they get to choose okay. where that damage okay. goes. Um, so uh, the game has uh, strategy card game elements, so it feels like you're playing a trading card uh, game. Uh, sure. And it also has uh, um, uh, tactical board game elements. You've got yeah. minions in various locations. You move them around and uh, um, deal damage to... Uh, they can only deal damage and use their abilities in the locations they're at, so it okay. has that sort of uh, tactical board game feel as well. So that is Sorcerer, and it'll be coming out uh, to Kickstarter backers this fall and to stores in Christmas. Cool. Um, and uh, speaking of Kickstarter, we have uh, Star Realms Frontiers. The new Star Realms set has been, Kickstarter backers have been waiting for that one for, <laughs> for quite a while. Um, we uh, um, we unlocked a ton of stretch goals during the Kickstarter campaign for awesome. Frontiers, and there was uh, uh, a lot of additional content for us to make. Took a lot longer than we were hoping, but we are finally done. The stuff is awesome, and it is ready at our printer in uh, in Texas. Uh, these uh, these are printed in the U.S. and they are um, currently shipping from uh, uh, this week. They're going to be picked up at the factory in Texas, moved to our fulfillment center in Florida. Um, so if you back the Kickstarter, um, you can expect to see those in the- Coming pretty soon. Yeah, uh, in, the, in the coming weeks. Very uh, cool. And I'll just uh, a quick look inside the box here. Um, got a big rule book. Um, uh, there's, of course, all the new uh, um, Frontiers cards. And, uh, we also have uh, these um, oversized cards. So um, there's eight different oversized cards. These allow you to play Star Realms uh, uh, together, either either as a solo game or with your friends, team up and uh, uh, and play against the game. Um, okay. And there's eight different uh, uh, eight different missions. So uh, it's like a solo or co-op. Exactly. Kind of Solo co-op play, eight Very different cool. uh, uh, challenges to play against. Nice. So that is the Frontiers box set. If you ordered on Kickstarter, if you're in the U.S., um, you should be seeing that in your mailbox uh, um, as soon as in a couple weeks, or there's about 8,000 U.S. backers, so it'll take a few weeks. Once the shipping starts, out. it takes yeah. a few weeks to get through all of it. So right, right. anywhere between a couple weeks to uh, about a month uh, to be seeing that. Um, Another item that was uh, introduced in that Kickstarter was the universal storage box. So um, it's a behemoth. It's a behemoth. So basically, Star Realms it comes in this little box. It's uh, super portable. Right, uh, right. But a lot of people have collected a ton of Star Realms yeah. uh, over time. It's been and vastly expanded over the last few years. It, and, exactly. Right. So for people who own a lot of Star Realms and they want a nice box for carrying this stuff. Just to give you a sense of sale. There's a regular Star Realms card. <laughs> so uh, there's the scale uh, of it, right. Uh, next to the box. So this will hold every Star Realms card we've ever printed in card sleeves with lots of room left over for awesome. uh, for gross. So you can put some other games in there or you know, you'll have room as as, uh, as you get more Star Realms yeah. over time. And I just want to 
get a quick look inside the box because this thing is really awesome. So, oh, that's great, uh, yeah. So basically, it's got uh, these big, thick walls. It's uh, super sturdy. Uh, right. Comes with a uh, uh, ton of uh, dividers. We've got one set up for your regular game cards, and we also have ones for uh, for each individual expansion. So if you want to okay. set up your play deck, you can do that with the regular dividers and all the other stuff that you're not currently using. You can uh, divide up by the set so nice. you can easily uh, locate them. Comes with these nice foam blocks mm -hmm. uh, for keeping your cards steady. So if you right. only are using half a row, no problem. Just use the foam blocks and you'll get your cards Absolutely. to stay in place. And then it also comes with a uh, 15 card promo and uh, uh, token pack. Um, so uh, a bunch of really cool cards in there for your uh, for your Star Realms deck. Uh, and this uh, uh, this guy is uh, 29.99. Um, okay. It'll be uh, uh, in stores uh, later this summer or the fall. Okay. And if um, if you want it, I would strongly recommend. Uh, um, uh, pre-ordering it from your local game store because uh, um, I think there's a good chance we're going to sell out of these Demand's decks. pretty high, uh, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, um, and then also for Star Realms, I don't have uh, I don't have factory samples of the other items yet, but uh, we've got the command decks coming out. These allow you to play as a legendary commander from the Star Realms universe. Okay. Um, and uh, um, that. Uh, uh, when you're playing a legendary commander, you don't use a regular starting deck, you use your custom starting deck. You also have a different, you have a bigger hand size, more uh, starting authority, um, and you have special ability cards, gambits that start in play. Uh, you can play a legendary commander against two players playing regular starting decks, so you can play two versus one okay. uh, that way, or you can play a legendary commander versus another legendary commander. Nice. Uh, so uh, those packs will be, uh, again, going out to Kickstarter backers imminently and uh, in stores this fall. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and there's more. And, but wait, there's more. <laughs> uh, for uh, uh, Epic Card Game, uh, so, uh, um, uh, our uh, strategy card game, we have the new uh, Pantheon packs, uh, and uh, we have the... Uh, uh, two newest packs, um, and these packs each contain uh, 12 uh, um, cards for your uh, Epic Collection, plus a double-sided token each, and each pack also contains uh, two Demigod cards, uh, which are uh, which allow you to uh, play as uh, a, uh, a Demigod from the Epic uh, Pantheon, and uh, that will... Um, uh, when you play as a demigod, you have a more, uh, you're a little more powerful, um, and you have some custom abilities, um, so you can play a demigod versus a different demigod in the game. Um, awesome. So, uh, um, and uh, and lastly, for Hero Realms, uh, Hero Realms has been nominated for an Origins Award here oh, uh, at the show. Uh, so, if you happen to be around Origins, you can sw uh, swing by and vote. Uh, and uh, we've got some new. Uh, stuff in the works that's look targeted for early next year. The uh, most notably chapters four through six of the Hero Realms campaign, uh, the continuation of the story uh, from the Ruin of Thandar campaign, oh, cool. will be coming out early next year. Is that all? That's it. <laughs> that's all we got. That's amazing. Well, you guys have been super busy, and Star Realms has been. A wild success has just kind of launched you guys into uh, yeah. into this community, and uh, it's awesome. So, 
congratulations on all of this stuff. Uh, check out White Wizard Games here at Origins. Thank you, guys. Uh, find them on social media. You guys have Facebook and uh, Twitter and all that stuff? We, we do. I don't know. The, you don't do a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I don't do the social media too much. But, yeah, if you go to whitewizardgames.com, our Facebook links and Twitter links and all that stuff is all there. All that stuff there. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much for being Thank here. You guys. Really appreciate it. All right. We are... We're at Origins, and it's Saturday. Yeah. And everybody is just a little bit fried. Yeah. But I'm sitting here with, is it Galen or is it Galen? It's Galen. Galen. Like, like Chief Galen Terrell of the Battlestar. I was going to say, yeah, that's, that's what I was going to say, but I didn't want to be like the <laughs> Battlestar nerd and pronounce it wrong. But I tried to err on the side yeah. of caution and pronounce it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> You're the designer of Atlantis Rising. I am, yep. Which Elf Creek Games is uh, getting ready to kickstart. Yeah. And this is a second edition. Mm-hmm. And um, so tell us about it. What's uh, what's different about, you know, I guess fill in people that don't know Atlantis Rising a little bit about the game and what kind of you changed in the process of creating the second edition. Yeah. And we'll start there. So yeah, l- let me give a quick overview for those who aren't familiar at all. Um, Atlantis Rising is a cooperative worker placement game. Um, in, in the game, you portray the citizens of Atlantis on the eve of its destruction, uh, having angered the gods who are sending floods and other various misfortunes to sink the island, as per Plato's account. Um, and you're trying to essentially use your Atlantean technology to build a, a, a gate to um, save the rest of your citizenry before the island goes beneath the waves. Um, <clears throat> So essentially how the game works is you, uh, as a worker placement game, you're putting your workers out there to, to try to take some actions. But before they get to take their actions, the gods send them misfortunes. So you're going to draw cards that are going to indicate sections of the island that are going to get flooded. And if your worker's on there, you lose your action. Gotcha. The closer you are to the bottom, the better the action is. So it's up to you how much risk you want to take. Um, and then after the, the misfortunes occur, then you actually get to, to take the actions for the game. Uh, so some of the changes from the, the first edition are uh, we got new art. Um, Vincent Dutre is doing our art. We're really excited about having him on board for that. Um, we've jettisoned the Atlantean Navy, um, for those familiar with the first one. It was, okay. it was sort of a, a worker tax, essentially. People had to put workers there um, okay. so that they wouldn't build up too many. Um, and then we've, we've got new components um, that, instead of giving a one-time benefit, create new worker placement spots for people to uh, go on throughout the game that will give benefits. And then we have some new, uh, new knowledge cards, um, a, a, a new type called an artifact that stays in play. Okay. Um, and we made all these changes based uh, primarily on feedback from Board Game Geek. Um, so the Board oh, Game Geek okay. community is very vocal, obviously. So we've got you know hundreds of comments on Board Game Geek of people who reviewed this game, liked it, didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we made a big spreadsheet and kind of said, okay, what do people like about this game? What do they not like? Kind of treated it like a big five-year playtest um, <laughs> <Nice. laughs> of the first edition. And then so most of the changes that we that we've made um, were based on on that feedback. That's very cool. Uh, yeah. That's. I guess that's a really good way to approach it because there's people that obviously have some investment in the game and enough so that they're they're giving feedback through Board Game Geek or you yeah. know, whatever venue. So uh, that's I guess that's a really smart way of 
really tweaking a game and, and kind of creating something new with it that is also familiar. So yeah. that's very cool. Uh, what else are you working on? Is there anything else in the works design-wise? No. Um, this, this is my one and only design. I'm a full-time okay. college professor. That's, oh, okay. that's my job. Um, I'm, I'm also a full-time gamer, though, and I, I love nice. it so much. That, um, my wife kind of challenged us to make goals one year, and I said, I'm going I'm to design and publish a board game. Nice. Or get published. I don't, I don't want to publish board right. games. <laughs> yeah, you don't want um, to mess with that. <laughs> no, <That's>... no. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so this is my one design. I've, I've dabbled around with some other stuff. I think I'll probably publish something again in the future, um, but nothing serious right yeah. now. Okay. Yeah. What yeah. do you teach in college? I teach sociology. Yeah, so oh, I teach right. about race, gender, stratification, inequality. Right, yeah. right, right. Uh, why, why board games? Uh, you said you're a full-time gamer. What, yeah. What's it about that the hobby that like sucked you in and now you call yourself a full-time gamer? Um, I think cooperative games sucked me in. I remember okay. I, I, I played Dungeons & Dragons and Magic, yeah, that kind of stuff right. for a long time. And then I was at a, a convention called Kublicon out on the West Coast yeah, in, okay. in San Francisco. And I uh, got introduced to Days of Wonders, uh, Shadows Over Camelot. Mm. I was the first like real board game I had played other than maybe Catan or something and right. I, I sort of realized wow this is a whole nother genre of gaming I've, I've never even explored and, and the, the fact that you could play together against the game yeah. was fascinating to me and I've loved cooperative games ever since I like, I like uh, a good competitive game too but as you can see when I got a chance to design a board game I designed the game I would want to play Right. so it's a co-op there it is <laughs> yeah. there it is yeah I, there is something about uh, I, you know I've played cooperative or competitive games for a long, long time. But when you start playing cooperative games, it's like, oh, this is cool. Like, everybody's yeah. working towards a goal. And, you know, uh, one of my ga favorite games in that realm is Lord of the Rings, the card game. Yeah, it's a great that, game. It's so good. Love it. So, uh, well, cool. Well, hey, thanks so much for swinging by. Yeah, absolutely. Showing us me. The, uh, the updated yet to be finished but uh you know looks like you got some artwork to, to yeah. sort away there yeah but uh really appreciate you letting us take a look at it and uh, good luck with the kickstarter yeah thanks a lot when, can you tell us when that's how all that's yeah, happening so give us all that that promotional type stuff absolutely so it's been being published by elf creek games yes. uh, the kickstarter is september 4th okay um we have a facebook page for atlantis rising if people want to check that out we're also on instagram or any other major social media twitter etc um, and there'll be big announcements, ads up on Board Game Geek when, when it happens. Awesome. So, yeah. All right. Thanks so much, man. Really yeah, appreciate it. He's going to point to us, and then we're live. He pointed to us. Yeah, he pointed <laughs> to me, not to you. Okay, he pointed to you. Okay, all right. But he had two fingers, so I guess that was maybe yeah. one for each of us. Okay, I don't all know. Right. Anyway, we're here live, Facebook Live, here on the podcast as well. With Isaiah Vallejo. Did yep. I say it right? Yeah, that's correct. Good. Yeah. I, that's like the first time I've gotten a, a name right today. Or <laughs> all con for that matter. Anyway, Daily Magic Games. Yep. And um, you guys have, actually, you have one of my favorite games, uh, Valeria Card Kingdoms. Oh, thanks. And Alex, our camera guy, yeah. he's, he's a big fan as well. So mm. uh, glad to have you here in what I call Studio 359. Yeah. Because we're at booth, booth 359. See how I did that yeah. there? Yeah. yeah. So Studio 359. And uh, we're going to talk just a little bit about kind of the new stuff that you guys have going on and um, and whatever else we get into. So cool. the new thing is sailing towards Osiris. It's available here. Yeah. We launched at, it at Origins. Yeah. At Origins. And tomorrow, actually, 
we've got a copy to give away yep. in the booth, which is awesome. Uh, so tell us about that game a little bit, just to fill people in on why it's so awesome. Uh, many reasons. Uh, <laughs> so that How much time do we have? <laughs> that, ga that game is designed by my business partner, David McKenzie. Yeah. Um, David McKenzie is originally Clever Mojo Games. that yep. did uh, Alien Frontiers. Right, and, right. Um, he did my original game, so that's how we met is Sunrise City. Okay, cool. Um, and so he's been, it's debuting here because he playtested it for the first time here seven years ago. Oh, wow. So it's been seven years in the making. Lots of development. Uh, lots of changes, yeah. uh, development between him and his brother, Fred McKenzie. Yeah, okay. Who did uh, Princess of the Dragon Zone, of the Dragon. Princess yeah. of the Dragon Thrones. Thrones, yeah. I love that game. Yeah. It's a great game. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so the reason I think it's special is like you're using the, the labors to get uh, resources, just like any worker placement game. Right. Uh, but when you are building monuments in this game, you're actually building them on the resource spots. Okay. So as players are playing the game, they're actually modifying the board. They're modifying the resource distributions, the payouts. Yeah. Um, and, some, and so it changes kind of the disparity of the resources over okay. time. Okay. Cool. Um, so... I guess would you classify it as like worker placement? Or? Yeah, I, I would say it's a medium weight euro game with worker placement elements. Awesome. Um, because on your turn, you're just doing one thing, and you're either getting resources, trading resources, or uh, paying those resources to create a monument okay. on your turn. Cool. Um, yeah, and there's there's city cards, so those are like special powers. And then everybody gets boon cards, and essentially what you're doing is praying to the Egyptian gods to break the rules in some way for you. And okay. once, once you pray to a god, then nobody can pray to that same god in that round. Gotcha. So it's a first come, first, first serve, yeah, um, yeah. breaking the rules. Yeah, making those decisions tougher and tougher yeah. as you right. go. Yeah, cool. Um, so seven years in development, so we yeah. can expect an expansion in like 20... 32? Uh, like. Something like that. No, we have, <laughs> we have a small expansion that will launch to retail in about two months. Okay. It's available here as well. Oh, nice. Um, it's a small one. It's $15, but it adds okay. uh, governor powers, so you have ongoing powers for the game. It adds new objectives. So um, in the game, there's two base objectives, which is kind of uh, monument um, positioning, I guess you would call it. So you get bonus yeah. points for that. And so we add 10 cards that you give out in the beginning, and you draft one or two, I, I forget right okay. now. Um, and those give you bonus points. So you get the Envoys. Um, the Envoys are new meeples, and those are essentially, uh, you could put them on any spot, and they reserve that spot for you. Oh, or, okay. or if you want to be a jerk, right, you can use it to block <laughs> someone out of a spot. Awesome. That's, that's also a thing you could do. Um, and it adds a new raw card, a new boon okay. card uh, to the game for every player. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Okay, so that's available here. Yeah. Uh, you've got some stuff coming out later in the year, mm -hmm. uh, possibly Gen Con releases, things like that. Uh, yeah, so for Gen Con, we will have Crabs, which okay. is a, a small card game that we're bringing over from Taiwan. That's Moideus mm. uh, Games. Um, so that will be available. Um, and then our other big launch, um, so Sailing Toward Osiris is our biggest game yet. And our next big game that we're doing is Horizons. And okay. that's uh, designed by Levi Moat, who's also oh, okay. yeah. um, he's also part owner of the company. Okay. Um, him and Sarah Sharp, his his mm -hmm. wife. So it's four of us. Um, but me and David are full time. Gotcha. And, okay. Uh, so uh, again, Levi was working on this for a while, and and we were working <laughs> on it for a while. Um, and the original thing was he had an area control game, and okay. I wanted to do a Valeria area control game. Right? Okay. <laughs> and uh, so. 
he kind of, we went back and forth and he's like, no, this is going to be its own thing. And after we kind of, I came to, you know, to grips with that, then, then it became its own thing. And it, it became Horizons, which is, it's a 4X game without the final X, which is extermination. Okay. Okay. And so because we removed all of that extermination stuff, it boiled it down to a one-hour 3X game. Okay, what we call nice. It. And we do have an expansion coming for it that does add extermination. So if you wanted that kind of gameplay, you could add it. If you want to get it. a little nasty with yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Right. And, and the great thing about that game is um, it's the bonus action. So you're going to ally with different alien species. And when you do that, when you take an action uh, later on, they're key to specific actions. Okay. So you'll take the main action, and then you can flip that guard to mm. get a bonus action based off of that. Nice. Um, and you can use them twice, so you flip them, and then the second time that you use them, they are returned back to the stack. Yeah. So they're kind of cycling through. Um, and, you know, there's missions, uh, different types of missions that you do that they're, they're secret. Uh, but essentially, like any Forex game, you are harvesting resources, you're using the resources to build uh, collectors and colonies, mm. um, and the, there's no rule of victory points. We call, the, we call it knowledge. Okay. So the, the conceit was if we're taking out extermination, it's not really about dominating the world. Yeah. It's more about gaining knowledge through the things that okay. you're doing in the game. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. So uh, you said you developed this one for a while, mm -hmm. and Sailing Towards Osiris was seven years in development yeah. and, and working. As a designer, as a developer, as yeah. a publisher, how, do you, how did you go through that process and, and then finally come to the point and say, it's ready? Like. Mm -hmm. Was it just like right. everybody sat around yeah. the table and went, oh my gosh, it's finally ready? Yeah. Or like, I, th I think it's a gut feeling. Uh, yeah. For me, uh, when I played David's game, when I first played it um, I, four years ago, right? Five years ago. Um, <laughs> I thought, yeah, it, this is really cool. You should keep working on it. It still has some issues with yeah. it. Um, and then when we formed our company, one of our objectives was to launch that game. So, okay. you know, we, he's been working on it for a while. So we kind of iterated on it for a while. And then... He still wanted to continue, and if you look at the map, you can see, um, you know, there's a lot of spots on it. But he wanted to continue to move some spots around and test yeah, that around. Yeah. And finally, I was like, no, we're done with this. It's good. It's yeah, good. Right, right. Like, let's let's start finalizing the thing. And so, one thing that I like to do, or that he does not like, is I jump the gun on the art. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, that really kind of is like that. You know, we're ready. And so I started the the art. Um, and that kind of started to boil down kind of the final changes in development that right, we were doing. Right. So um, he was still he still moved stuff around after the art was done. So he still continued to test some things. Uh, we added the bonus. You get a regent bonus when you're the first person to pass. So okay. that was added um, after we started the art. So we okay. just we had to shift some things around to fit that yeah, in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it essentially gives um, the first person to pass more things. Yeah. Uh, because if you're the first person to pass, right, you're kind of waiting a little bit longer than everybody right, else. Right. Right. So we wanted to give some reward of, um, you know, if you're sitting there, you have three or four extra resources to think about your next turn. So sure. when you're first, you're going to do something awesome or amazing that's going to yeah. open up the next round. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. And Horizons, um, I'm not really sure how long Levi was working on that, but he showed it to us um, a couple years ago at a board game cafe, and it, uh -huh. it didn't have any of the, the cool stuff that it has now, but 
I knew like this is a good base for a game. Right. There's um, something. Yeah. In there's there. something there. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's why we started. I started thinking, okay, what if this was like in Valeria? So that's where we added the okay. alien allies, and they they were functioning completely different until he came to the realization like. What if they just give you some bonus thing? And, and yeah. from there, once we added that in, that was like, oh, this is a really good game now. Uh-huh. Um, and then it, we started to look at how players were playing the game and we realized there's a lot of analysis paralysis on the final rounds. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is it's, it's area control. So your okay. final uh, last turns are going to be like, how can I calculate every single victory point that's out there uh, to maximize this last turn? So, so to get rid of that, we added in the missions. Okay. So the missions are, are hidden objectives, right? And you don't know what people are trying to score. Mm. And because of that, um, you don't sit there in the final round trying to eke out that last point that's going to win you the game. It's more mm. like, well, I could do my best here, but I don't know if that guy has like a five-point mission or, or something right, like that. Right, right. Um, so it really helped kind of um, clip that last 20 minutes, 30 minutes of people agonizing over the last round. Right, right. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. Yeah. Well, uh Thanks so much for joining us today. I really yeah. appreciate you being here. Uh, before we head out, uh, why board games? What, yeah. what, what is it about board games that made you yeah. choose it as a career choice, let alone just a hobby? Right. So I was doing uh, digital games. I was a executive producer for Big Fish Games. Okay. Um, and I was there for 10 years. I was oh, wow. doing their PC games, um, third-party production, essentially mm-hmm. uh, getting games and then uh, sculpting them to what's going to sell better in the market. And I saw a shift towards free-to-play games. So that's where um, most of the market was going. Yeah. And I just didn't like the, the concept of those kinds of games. Okay. Um, at least 99% of them. Right. You know, I still play Clash <laughs> Royale every day. I'm addicted. <laughs> that's fine. Um, but I, I didn't like that. Um, and I had already been. I had already published Sunrise City. Yeah. Um, I had Valeria Card Kingdoms in my pocket. I had Quest of Valeria in my pocket. Uh-huh. And uh, I just made the leap. I said, nice. I, I like to do this. I'm a tinker. I like to fix things. Right. And that's why most of my designs, you'll see like, you know, Quest of Valeria is like Lords of Water Deep the Card Game. Right, Valeria right. Card Kingdoms <laughs> is Machi Koro with extra but Dominion and Lords of Water <laughs> right, Deep in right. it. Right? <laughs> I don't like to say better. It's, it's for a different market. I'll say it. It's right. <laughs> um, so Villages of Valeria is essentially like San Juan, right? Or something yeah. like that. Um, so I like to... Um, I like to play games. I like to see, like, well, this could be done a little bit better if, sure. if you added this one thing on it and then go from there and see where it takes me. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks again for joining us today. Really right. appreciate it. Good luck with the rest of the con. Yeah. We're almost there. Yeah, almost. <laughs> Thank you for having me. All right. Take care, man. All right. Origins Day 3 for us. I know a lot of people extended but it's saturday this is the big day it's been a crazy morning already anyway studio 359 as i like to call it uh, sitting next to me is craig van ness of soaring rhino uh and you've brought pretty cool looking game and that's sitting out in front of us so there are folks that will be listening and not watching so describe what is sitting in front of us as you will all right so <laughs> The first game for Soaring Rhino is called Shifting Realms. In front of you, you'll, you see three, three of the five realms. There's a, a dragon dwarf realm. Yes. There's a pirate realm. There's a uh, orc um, and troll king realm. Um, the game comes with five realms. There's also priest and elf as well. Okay. Uh, there is a dragon mini that comes in the, the game. 
sculpted by Julie Guthrie. Um, it's pretty sweet. There's also very cool. custom meeples um, in the, each of the different factions that, uh, that look pretty cool. Um, so you have soldiers and scouts, um, and then you have a realm board for each realm that's out there. Okay. But you also have structures um, for each realm. You have three structures, and then you have story cards. Um, so basically, the gist of it with, with shifting realms, yeah. with Soaring Realm, we want to bring something innovative with every game that we come out with. Okay. And with shifting realms, it's the realm engine. And what's different okay. about the realm engine is there's strategies and synergies throughout the game, and they're built into each of the realms. Okay. Like, uh, for example, with the, uh, the Troll King, um, you can actually send soldiers in to fight the Troll King to get rewards. Oh, um, cool. And the... The, um, the structure tiles help you do that. So if you build like an orc outpost, you can actually get a soldier there every turn. Um, oh, nice. And likewise, the story cards, you know, add a little flavor, um, and they uh -huh. also let you complete the strategy that you're trying to do in that realm. Oh, nice. But nice. there is some um, crossover as well. So like in, in the pirate world, you want to build a pirate ship uh -huh. um, right away so that you can go on pirate raids. Um, and once you build the pirate ship, um, you need soldiers to get on there, so that helps. Okay. And then there's other buildings that let you move guys around. So nice. we really try nice. to like make the realms kind of synergize with each other. Right, right. Um, the object of the game is to have the most victory points when the game's over. And each okay. game's different because each realm has a different game-ending objective. Oh, nice. Okay. So like the like in the dragon realm, the um, it's over when you move the dragon four times. And one of your actions you can do on your turn is you can try and draw you know, a dragon card. This is a dragon card. Right. Um, so that would allow you to move the dragon. The dragon eats one unit for every space that he lands in. <laughs> nice. So depending on where the dragon is, it's like, well, you don't really want to collect your resources near him. You might want to start over in this world or this world. Exactly. Um, and this one ends when um, a pirate ship goes on four raids and you build two buried treasures. Um, okay. The buried treasures are kind of fun because you spend one wood. It comes with um, four resources, wood, stone, gold, and magic. Okay. Um, basically, what the, the, the buried treasure does is it converts your gold into instant victory points. Oh, um, wow. And what's nice is that the deck is all, you know, it's all piratey guys. It's <laughs> yeah. goblin pirates, um, oh, awesome. which is kind of fun. Um, the theme, we really tried to mix it up a little bit. Um, the, the, the story behind it... Oh. <laughs> it's fine. not like we're live or anything. Earthquake. Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. The story That's behind cool. it is uh, these keepers, right? So this prank was like supposed to keep order in the universe, universe, and it shattered. So you're like one of the see like your your little keeper is like similar to what the staff is on there, nice, nice. and you're trying to restore uh, order to the universe, basically. But every realm has a, a, a different flavor, and even in the goblin realm, if you, the goblin pirate realm, if you're trying to um, get gold, you might draw a card, and that might let you get gold or hidden victory points. Um, every realm has a different flavor. Every realm has a different ending objective. Okay. Um, which makes makes replay, replayability pretty extensive. Yeah, yeah, because there's, you, like you said, there's three of them that you play with, but there's five, so there's interchanging and how they all work together and yep. all that stuff. Yeah. So this looks really, really cool. Um, 
this is so Soaring Rhino. You guys are pretty new to the scene yes, as yes. as a company, but you yourself are not new to the tabletop scene. Uh, tell us a little bit about your history. I know I'm baiting you into this, but tell us yes. a little bit about uh, how you how you first came onto the scene. Of oh, well, I worked gaming. for uh, Hasbro for 20 plus years. I designed awesome. games like HeroScape and Risk 2210 and Queen's Gambit, and probably over 40 titles for wow. you know Star Wars Epic Duels. Um, oh yeah, I, you know, yeah. Some. I had a blast working for Hasbro. It was That's awesome. Cool. It was it was and and working on HeroScape was some of the funnest years I've had. Nice at Hasbro. Um, and actually, one of the origins for this game was coming out of Queen's, a game called Queen's Gambit, which had four different battle arenas that you okay. kind of simultaneously uh, were managing at the yeah, same time. Right, right. And I thought, wow, what if we did like an expandable version of that that uh -huh. was more Euro, not right, less right. less. You know, roll dice and attack. Yeah, um, yeah, cool. But, well, but, it's it's turned into something very, very cool. Um, so, tell us a little little bit about Soaring Rhino. How did you decide to kind of branch out on your own? Was this uh, just uh, an endeavor that you had thought about for a while and wanted to take on? Or? Well, today's world, there's there's an environment where it seems like there's more and more board game companies coming oh, out. Right. And it's yeah, really sure. exciting to come to conventions like Origins and, and Gen Con. And there's so many small conventions. Just yeah, like if yeah. you look up, you know, I don't know, whether we're BGG conventions or however you want to look it up, you can you can find lots of little conventions yeah. in your area to go game. And it's it's pretty awesome. So we figured... Why not take a shot now? My brother and I started this company, um, and we f we felt that we we had the ability to deliver quality games, and we wanted to deliver new and innovative ideas with each game that we come out with. Yeah, yeah, great. Um, this is one of four games that we're showing at Origins. Okay, um, wow. The expansion for this should come out in 2019, um, early 2019. That's okay. called Darkness Revealed. That's okay. three more realms with you know three more. Strategies right, and right. I was going to say it's it's ripe for expansion because right. the modular realms that come into play. Yeah. What's and the nice is you don't have to read all the rules again. You just yeah, kind of right. you get the realm and you just throw it in. This like, is how all right. this one works. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Very. that one's a, we we play tested all of them, uh -huh. like nine total realms. We play tested together okay. to make sure that they they work, and then we kind of picked the five that we wanted to put in in the in the initial in the game, game. Right. but then we kept the three back that are a little bit uh, it's darkness revealed so uh, it's it's a little bit more dark yeah it's, okay but it's it's fun we kind of try to mix things up a little bit I don't know if you can see but there's like uh, these are like orcs in red coats so this has like a, a sort of a, a rev war sort of feel to it yeah this is yeah. Uh, uh, the pirates the dwarves actually have like a French uh, a uniform on from the Rev War. Oh, nice. The, the elves are actually, uh, they're in the box, but they have um, uh, uh, American Indian feel okay. to them. So, okay. they get their, so we we're just trying to like so mix it up a little of, bit. Like yeah. The realms are shattered and shifted. Nice. Um, and the expansion is actually Ancients. So it's uh, demons okay. with Egyptian garb, okay. lizard men with Roman uh, yeah, garb, yeah. and minotaurs with uh, like hopolite. Uh, wow! Outfits, nice. Yeah, that's great. That's not something you see a lot. You yeah. know, like fantasy lives in fantasy, and yes. you know, real historical lives in historical. I, yeah, and 
kind of meshing those two together. We wanted to do something that actually visually looked different, too, because yeah. there's tons of fantasy games out there. Right, right. I mean, you yeah. can look around and see seven <laughs> yeah. before you know it. So, uh, yeah. Well, hey, thanks again for bringing this stuff by. And thanks for what you've done for tabletop gaming. I mean, oh. you know, like Heroescape is like this classic, iconic thing that really got a lot of people, friends of mine especially, into uh, tabletop gaming uh, outside of Monopoly. You know? oh. <laughs> so oh, thanks. Thanks for that. I, mean, and I, I hear that a lot, and it never gets old. It never <laughs> does. So I'll tell you, it really does. Well, cool. A lot of father-sons come up to me about Heroescape. Oh, that's just, awesome. It is. It's just awesome. That's great. That's great. So thanks again for stopping by. And, All right. Uh, your brother's going to be by later on showing yeah, something else. Showing Mammoth. Uh, awesome. Yeah, so be fun. Looking forward to seeing that. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. All right, thanks Thank, so much, Thank man. you. It's time to go. It's time to start. It's time to start. We so can do that. Once again, Tiffany Kyrez. Did I say it right this time? You got it. Woo! Woo! Only took three tries. Only three. <laughs> <laughs> but we're here. I, you weren't here when I was calling it Studio 359. We're in Studio 359 right here. That's a good... I like it. Because it's booth 359. Yeah. So I just said Studio 359. The first 358 studios did not suit my... My very high standards. Yeah. I mean, I really like it. The view is pretty good. It's I breezy. Agree. Elf Creek Games across the way. Yeah. So there's like good. a creek going across. It's very nice. Yeah. And the chairs are pretty nice and the floor is cushy. It's good. I, I had to have the cushy floor. You should. Uh, you know, yeah. yeah. I'm very jealous. <laughs> I will just come stand on your floor. Duly noted. You can, yeah. You're welcome to stand on my floor anytime. <laughs> But while you're here, why don't we start talking about the game? Yeah, we can do that. The game that people are running, literally running yes. to your booth to get yes. and leaving crying and gnashing teeth when they don't get it. Yeah, I had a guy that this morning was like, I only had to run over three people this morning. And I was like, please tell me they weren't children. <laughs> like, don't know. It's like some Black Friday thing in the middle oh of June. I don't yeah. Know. So um, uh, I'm here with Welcome to... Um, and it's a roll and write without no dice. So we're calling it a flip and write. Uh, okay. or, or a flip and fill, sorry. Flip a flip and fill. and fill or a reveal and write. That flip and fill, I hate yeah. that guy. No, so, no, something different, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the game is for one to 100 players, and we're only limiting it to 100 players because that's how many p player sheets you get and one ah, copy. Okay. Yeah. So it's one of those games where everybody's going to get a player sheet. And if you actually, if you want to play with more, uh, there's an app and there's a QR code on the side of the box. So you can play with an app on your phone oh, cool. as your player sheet. Um, but everybody's going to have their own player sheet. And what you're doing is you're 1950s uh, suburban architects of okay. like making housing developments, which right. is the dream job. Who wouldn't want to do that? Yeah, that's, you know, we're going back to what everybody really wants to do I, is make I suburban you, America. I have a joke about time travel, but you didn't like it. <laughs> no, it's good. I did <laughs> like going back to the 1950s. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> carry on. <laughs> so what's going to happen in this game is um, every round there's three decks, and each deck um, will have a discard pile next to it. And every round you get to pick one of the house numbers that you want to write. And so you only get to pick one of the three options. Okay. And you have to write a house number in one of the houses. And you have three streets on your player street. 
And each street needs to be sequential by itself. So each street needs to go from lower to higher when you write down the house numbers for the streets. Okay. But aside from that, you can write the house numbers wherever you want. So you could be like, I'm going to put a five here. I'm going to put a six over here or, you know, two streets down. Doesn't matter as long as you follow the sequential rules. The numbers go from one to 15. Okay. And the numbers really, if we're honest, are just the limiting mechanic in this game. Okay, yeah. Um, Because the way that you get points is actually the bonus actions associated with the house number that you select. So the back of every card has a bonus action on it and you can preview what that bonus action will be for the next round by the corners of the the card. They like put a sneak preview. Um, But different bonus actions will allow you to improve your neighborhood in various ways. So if you, for example, selected this five, its associated bonus action is to improve the park. So the street that you wrote the five on, you would scratch off the zero for the park or the lowest number on the park associated with the street, improving the quality of that park. Okay. And at the end of the game, you would score points. Each street has its own park. You would score the number, the lowest visible number for each park um, at the end. So that's one of the primary ways that you can earn points. And then there's other things, like some of the houses have pools in the backyard. So if I want to build a pool, I would need to write this number, which is associated with the pool, on a house that has a pool, and then I get to build the pool. Gotcha. I get more points. Wow. Um, okay. There's like a little bit of a this is whoever did it the most thing. So at the okay. end of the game, you're yeah. like, who did the most? Who hired the most contractors? Okay. Uh, and then this is like the thinky brain part of the game where you can use fences to section off different parts of your street to make estates. And then you can use another bonus action, this purple one, to increase the val- in the value of those estates. So if I wanted to do this one, I would do my three, I would write my three someplace, and then I could do this bonus action to increase the value of, say, my size two estates. So I would get more points for every size two, like, sectioned off group of houses. Okay, nice. So, yeah. Um, And then you can also, there's a nice, helpful action that you can use for when you mess up. (laughs) (laughs) When you realize that I've I've written a four, a blank, and then a five. And you're like, oh, oh, there's I nothing. Can't do there's, anything. there's nothing that can go between right, there. Because there's not a number that exists. But is there? You can split your lot. So with okay. this action, this bonus action, you write the number associated with it. So in this case, I would write this nine, and then I could use this if I wanted to do like a. In that case, that I was saying, like a four B. Or okay. something. So I could yeah, split yeah. the lot of another house. And that helps you also fill out your neighborhood quicker. So if you want yeah. more houses more quickly, you can use that. However, if you do do that, you will start accruing negative points. Ah, okay. So you don't want to rely on that too much. Um, and one of the reasons why you might also want to speed up the game is there's a city objectives that you can earn. And actually, it's a, this is where the player interaction comes in, okay. where there's a little bit of a race to this. So these are, for this example, this one is, is you want to have a completed estate of size three, and you need three of them. Okay. And so the first person to get that would say, oh, I did objective number one. And they would write on their slot that they, for objective one, that they got eight points. Nice. And then from that point on, we would flip it. And everybody else that completed that objective would only get four points. Okay. And you can only complete an objective once. And you can't reuse the states that you use for one objective or another objective. Basic stuff. But that's like the only way to get points is using the the bonus actions and manipulating. And the the tough part is is if you can't write a number because every street like has a nine or something like that, you you take a penalty. And if you take Uh, enough penalties, the game's over. So you could, you know, in the game for everyone because you sucked. Because you were terrible at it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You were really bad (laughs) at it. I'm so terrible at this game, nobody gets to play it. Exactly. We're done now. Uh, so 
like you said, very limited copies available at Origins. When will yes. it be more proliferated? <laughs> so Origins, that? yeah. So Origins, we're just doing, this was a pre-release. We just wanted to see, we wanted to get people to play it. We wanted to see if people would really like it. Apparently yeah. they do. Um, and so it was more of a soft release. Um, so we're only doing 25 a day here at Origins, which is why it's very limited. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> but it is a Gen Con release. So we okay. will have this available for Gen Con and we will have a lot of You'll copies have of Gen Con. piles and piles. Yes. Awesome. And you can actually pre-order for Gen Con now okay. at welcometogame.com. Okay. And you can pre-order for Gen Con pickup. And also, if you pre-order, if you go to that website, you can actually pre-order for shipping in July. So if you're willing to pay for shipping, oh. you could get this game before it's in stores, which it'll be in stores in September. There it is. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, thanks again for stopping by. Really appreciate it. Always a fun time. Yeah. Uh, good luck with the rest of the con. Thank you. Everybody check out Deepwater Games. Uh, lots of cool stuff going on over there. Lots, I, gotta, yeah. I, I keep walking by and like there's just cool things going on and games yeah. everywhere and it's pretty awesome. It's our, it's our first year and we have eight games here for That's sale. Super, well, yeah, super we had awesome. eight games for sale. <laughs> Should put it that way. So, yeah. So, very cool. Very cool. Well, congratulations awesome. on this. It seems wildly successful and highly anticipated. So, that's good news. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me on yeah. again Thanks with your squishy floors. Absolutely. <laughs> Come stand on my squishy floor anytime you want. <laughs>
Yeah, Quiver Gaming Gear. Their mats are some of my favorite. Yeah, uh, I've got a, really high quality. A couple of them in my house that I throw on tables and take with me places, and everybody's like, "Where did you get this? What is this thing? Because it's so cool." <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, they they use the nice uh, gaming felt or gaming suede and all that stuff. So. Um, is this how how do people get this? You said it's coming to Kickstarter soon, right? Yeah, last last week of June. Okay, uh, should be up on Kickstarter. I'm not sure the exact launch date. Okay, um, but yeah, but yeah, look for it. Look for it at the end of this month. Do you have an idea of what the pledge level is to get like? Is it like a set of four or? Yeah, you can get a set of two, a set of four. I think you can buy them individually. So I think like a set of four is going to be about about fifty dollars. Okay. You know they are made in America. They are very high quality. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think they're worth it. Yeah, for fifty bucks, that's uh, that's not bad at all. Um, and so, how did how did Kevin approach you? Like, did did he approach you, or was this something you were seeking out? Like, you wanted to get a play mat? Well, so it was kind of funny. Um, so uh, this guy Kristoff, um, I th- I think he lives in Poland. I'm not 100 percent sure on okay. that. <laughs> um, but he he contacted me on BGG and was like, I you know I designed these player mats. I was wondering if I get your permission to to sell them to like a few of my friends. I'm like, well, these are these are really great. Yeah. Um, you know, we'd have to like come up with like a licensing thing if you wanted to sell them. But what we could do instead is I could, you know, buy the design off you and we could, you know, I, I have, you know, Kevin is a friend of mine from Quiver Gaming Gear and, you know, we could, um, you know, make a lot of them and sell them to a lot yeah, of people. Yeah. Um, because I, yeah, I really thought that it was, it was a great, a great design, a great concept. Um, so yeah, I actually ended up approaching Kevin okay. um, being like, you know, I have this, I have these player mats. Uh, would you be interested in, in, uh, making them for me? And, and he was really excited about it. So yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. That's great. That's, I, I love that because that's kind of like, here's, here's a guy that's a fan of the game, obviously yeah. so much to the point that he wanted to design this player mat and create something that helped other players and his friends and stuff. And then, here it is now. It's it's an official Gloomhaven licensed item that people can get a hold of. So it's yeah. it's cool how that community just kind of like worked together. And you had a guy that could make mats, and he was, and it all came together. And now yeah. we've got this. Yeah. So <laughs> very cool. Uh, what's what's cool at Origins? What's the coolest thing you've seen so far? What's, um, what's the hot game that that you would uh, tell people to go check out? Well, so I got the great privilege to play Vitalis Arda's uh, upcoming game. I think it's coming to Kickstarter like next month. Okay. Uh, Escape Plan. Oh, okay. Yeah, got a got a personal demo from from Paul Grogan of Gaming Rules, and that was really fun. Nice. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a much lighter. Well, it's it's definitely lighter. Vital Lacerda, okay. you know, he's obviously known for like really heavy stuff. <laughs> right, right. Um, so I th- I think this this game is going to be good for for yeah that sort of medium to heavy crowd okay. um, as maybe like a maybe like a gateway to to more to more of his to yeah. more like yeah <laughs> complex Lacerda games but it was a lot of fun I got to actually play it twice so I I learned to play it from Paul and then I actually demoed it for some other people oh cool to just get in another game because I wanted to to play it again right, so it was, right. yeah it was a lot of fun very cool awesome so uh, what's next for you what's next for Gloomhaven what can people expect to see Gloomhaven available again? It just it seems to just evaporate as soon as it hits the market. <laughs> yeah, it just you know it's such a big game. It takes so long to actually just make it. Right. You right. know, so we're making it as fast as we can. Um, so so yeah, another printing of forty thousand copies is is coming. Okay. Like in a in a few weeks, it should nice. should be back in back in retail. Okay. Um, 
we don't know how fast they're going to sell out. <laughs> They'll probably sell out again. So if yeah, if you want a copy, make sure to to get into a store and yeah. pick it up before it's gone. Right. Um, and then you know there'll be other printings, but you know you'll have to wait again for those. <laughs> <laughs> so there it is. Uh, buy it up when you can. Don't pass on it because it uh, it'll it'll disappear. I'm sure it's been yeah. It's been red hot since day one. So yeah, uh, it's been really crazy. Congratulations on that. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's very gratifying and yeah, uh, yeah. It's a it's a good problem to have, right? That yeah. You, that you don't have any copies to sell. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, cool. Is there is there anything else you're working on beyond Gloomhaven? Uh, have you have you even thought that yet, or are you just kind of like trying to keep up with the beast that is Gloomhaven? Well, uh, I mean, everything I do, I try to like theme to Gloomhaven, just because I'm interested in you know exploring that world. Sure. Okay. Uh, so, Founders of Gloomhaven is is uh, coming to Kickstarter backers like next week. Nice. Like it's all sort of happening at once, so that's exciting. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, Founders of Gloomhaven is coming to backers, and then. Um, by Gen Con, definitely, like it'll be available in retail okay. as well, and that's yeah. you know a, a heavier Euro game sort of city building tile placement sort of thing, action okay. selection. It's it's a lot of fun, but it's definitely like a heavier experience and not you know just related to Gloomhaven and theme, but not necessarily in mechanics. Cool. But yeah. it's just a, another chance to sort of explore the world in a different way. So. Check out the world of Gloomhaven. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, awesome. and then we got the uh, Gloomhaven expansion coming up. Right. Uh, the smaller expansion, Forgotten Circles, okay, uh, should be should be available at Essen, probably available in retail like later in the year, like maybe November. Cool. Uh, now, yeah, I have to ask you because Gloomhaven. I mean, it's this it's this massive, like you said, it's a world that you're exploring. It's legacy. It's all these things. Like, I mean, what possessed you to to try to to, to <laughs> you know do something that massive of a scale? And uh, and put in that kind of work to create this world and these characters that come and go and all. Just where did that come from with you? I mean, it was just uh, the game I wanted to play. You know, mm. so I'd played other dungeon crawlers and yeah, you know, I, I really love the dun- dungeon crawler genre. Sure. You know, just going around killing monsters is is just a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I was just a little dissatisfied, or I felt like you know there could be more exciting things or more. You know, stuff tailored more to my taste. You know, like less randomness, more more player agency. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just started with that. I'm like, oh, I want to make a dungeon crawler, and so I made like you know a single scenario with four four characters and some bad guys, and um, you know I just kept thinking about like, well, what would I want like in a game like this, and I just kept adding to it and adding to it, and that just became a monster <laughs> in itself. <laughs> it took legs and grew itself. So. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I, I just had to ask you because I had you here. I was like, man, just the you know the the thought process of of building that out you know from scratch. Just I'm sure it was, I'm sure it was enjoyable, but I'm sure it's sometimes yeah. you're probably pulling your hair out like, how is this going to actually work? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's it's been like I said, wildly successful, and uh, I I'm excited for you. I think that's great, and uh, it's to me it's it almost encompasses what tabletop gaming has become recently in that mm. it's not just the big publishing houses it's not yeah. just the uh, you know the big people that have been around for years and years and they, they put out great content and great games but uh, you know uh, an upstart can can have a great idea and this community will embrace it and you you're living that out right now so. yeah yeah I'm just a guy with an idea and 
you know, with and the help of Kickstarter great, and, yeah. and, you know, just a lot of research and, and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, just yeah. It, it takes time and an effort, but yeah, anybody can design a game and publish it. There oh, it I mean, yeah, hopefully it'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, all right. Well, cool. Hey, thanks so much for spending a little bit of time with us. Yeah, no problem. Um, folks can check out the Kickstarter for the, uh, the Playmats coming up soon. You said... Uh, uh, yeah, end of this month. End of this month. And uh, there it is, Gloomhaven uh, Playmats from Quiver Gaming Gear. And uh, look for Gloomhaven soon in your stores. Yeah. But don't blink, because they'll be gone. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah. Thanks so much, Isaac. Yeah, you're welcome. Appreciate it. Good to go. We're good to go. We're good to go. Let's do this. Gilhova sitting right to my left. Right to my left. Right to your left and your left to your right. Yes. Uh, formal Ferret Games. How's it going? It's going great. It's been a great show so far. Great show. That is good to hear. It's been crazy. Today's been really, really busy. Um, uh, Saturday is typically like that. But you have some cool stuff to show to us. Yes, I do. You brought by a lot of boxes that say the networks. Yes, yeah. So there's the base networks game. Um, so base networks game is uh, you're a TV network executive. You start the game with a little bit of cash and three terrible TV shows. And you're trying to get the most viewers over five seasons. This game came out a couple of years ago. It's yep. on its fourth printing now. Oh, it's wow. doing really well. So I'm Excellent. very, very happy. Uh, so I'm continuing the network's empire. So be it. Um, <laughs> As, uh, so this is the network's Teletime. This is a brand new expansion. Uh, this swaps out the TV shows in the base game with British TV shows. Oh, cool. It also adds three new genres. Um, so if you know from the base game, genres are a big deal in the base game. If you right. get three shows of the same genre, you get a bonus. If you get five shows of the same genre, you get a bigger bonus. Yeah. With Teletime, uh, there are nine genres instead of six in the base game, okay. so it's harder to get a lot of shows of the same genre. So instead, you get a bingo card. And every time okay. you get a show of a certain genre, you cover that icon with your bingo card. When you get three in a row, that's bingo, and you get your bonus. Nice. So it rewards diversification instead of special, uh, specialization, okay. uh, which is an interesting twist to the game. So it's a little different. Uh, and that's what expansions should be. Like, to me, it shouldn't just be, okay, here's a bunch of funny shows. Haha, thank you for your money. Right. Uh, it should be more <laughs> about... Um, you know, every just getting a different look at the game, kind and also, also adding having, wrinkles to the experience. Absolutely, yeah. and having funny shows also. That's of important. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and then at Gen Con, uh, this is the biggie. This is executives. Uh, this is my proof copy, so it's my only copy right now. Uh, executives adds um, executives to the game, obviously, and the executives right. are um, variable player powers. So you start the game okay. with an executive, and that is going to give you a special power for the rest of the game, but also a special liability. Oh. So one of the executives is a streaming network. Uh, okay. So they're, they're flicks, Mr. or Ms. Flicks, depending on what side of the board you want to play. And... <laughs> So if you're a Flicks, all your shows are considered to be in their proper time slot. And if you're familiar with the base game, this is quite a big help because yeah, you don't have absolutely. to worry about whether your show's in the proper time slot or not. But every executive also has a liability. And the liability of Flicks is you want to keep shows... When you cancel a show, you want to replace it with a show of the same genre. If you change okay. genres in a slot, uh, you lose two viewers because you get a bunch of angry emails. 
So such is life for a streaming network. That's how it is. Yes. Uh, there are 12 executives in the box. Uh, you know, there's a bunch of others. There's uh, cable. So if you're cable, you start the game with a bunch of money between 16 and $20 million based on um, what your starting position is. Uh, but when you drop in budget, normally in the base game, you end around, you end a season. You get out of season by choosing the drop in budget action. And um, the earlier you do it, the more money or viewers you get, viewers being victory points. Right. Um, and you got to choose between money or viewers. Now, uh, with cable, you may not choose money. You may only choose viewers. So you started mm. the game with a ton of money, and hopefully you can budget it properly so that uh, it'll hold you for the rest of the game. But if you're able to do that, you'll also be getting a bunch of viewers. Um, and you have the special power, additionally, that when you drop in budget, you still get a turn after that. So even though okay. you're incentivized to drop in budget early, you'll still get an extra turn afterwards. So you have to sort of calculate when everybody else is going to do that action and do it a turn ahead of them. So it's a very interesting executive to play. So all these executives add all sorts of interesting and weird twists to the game. That sounds really, really cool. So you said that's Gen Con. Yes. And As assuming nothing weird happens with shipping. Right, yes, right. of course. And Teletime is available now? Uh, so I'm selling it at Origins, and okay. the street date is June 26th. Okay, so you'll be able to find it in the wilds very, very exactly, soon. Exactly, in a couple of weeks. Well, cool. I know you're on a time frame, so I appreciate you stopping by. Yeah. Um, Wordsy is one of my oh, thank favorite all-time word games. My family, my wife, my kids, everybody loves it. Funny you should say it. Mine too. Yeah. <laughs> Funny how that works, yeah. right? <laughs> we have something in common. That's oh. so great. Uh, but really, I appreciate that. You've, you've always been a great supporter of Theology of Games. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you taking time to spend a, a little bit of your con with us. Thank you. Here I'll, I'll in love what it. I call yeah. Studio 359. <laughs> Uh, it's nice, though. It's a really nice setup here. Well, thank looks you. Looks really good. Thank you. It, it, it's the result of a lot of work and yeah, you can tell headache and stress and yeah. you know all that stuff. But anyway, enough about me. Thank <laughs> you for being here. And uh, folks, you can find you online yes, at at Gilhova. And there's also a Twitter account at Formal Ferret, which is more of a that's more of like a the actual what, like business side kind well, of thing. No, or? that's more of like uh, what I think of games and various gaming thoughts. Whereas oh, okay. Formal Ferret is more of general announcements, so that's gotcha. a less active. So if you want something that's just general, let me know when something comes out. That's uh, Formal Ferret. Cool. And we should also tell people about Wordsy Bot. Oh on yes, Twitter, Wordsy which Bot. I love is so cool. Yes. Wordsy Bot. Um, so my word game Wordsy, which doesn't play like any other word game out there because it rewards longer words. Yes. Uh, Wordsy Bot uh, is a Twitter bot that tweets out a Wordsy board every 30 minutes. And then um, if you reply to it with a single word, it will score that word as long as it can find it in its dictionary and it will tell you how many points that, uh, that, that word is worth. Then after 30 minutes, it'll announce who had the best word. Which you don't win anything except the pride mm -hmm. and the satisfaction of knowing that you found the longest word that half hour. Yeah, other than Wordsybot, who will always find the longest word. Because <laughs> yes. Wordsybot will then tweet out what it found, and it's just going off and its it dictionary. Decimate. Oh, it's yeah, devastating. It's <laughs> like, you don't want to play Wordsybot in an actual game. I didn't it will... actually know that was a word. Yes, yes. Yeah, yes. So yeah Wordsybot's pretty amazing. But, okay, cool. Thanks for that. Uh, yeah, I enjoy Wordsy Bot a lot. I, I always try to get on there when I can. And, yeah. Uh, you know, before I'm going to sleep or something, I'll be mm -hmm. like, all right, let me see if I can find a cool word here. Yep, but yep. It's fun stuff. to play. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jeremiah. Thanks. Thanks for being here. My pleasure. And we're good. All right. Sitting with me is 
You're not Craig. No, I'm not Craig. I'm Jeff, the brother. <laughs> You're the other brother. <laughs> so Jeff Van Ness, uh, thanks for stopping by. Hey, Again, great with, to be here. With Soaring Rhino. <laughs> so we looked at Shifting Realms earlier, yep. which is really cool looking. Looks like an amazing game. Can't wait to play that one. And you've brought something completely different. Completely different. Absolutely. So this is Mammoth. This is Mammoth. And... Tell me about Mammoth. Okay. I'm just going to well, let you take I, it away. I'm going to start with a question. Have you heard about the Harvard scientists that are trying to revive the Mammoth? Oh, no, I haven't. No, it's a real thing. It's a real, it's a real thing. thing. That would be pretty cool. Be something right? else, right? All right. So actually what they're trying to do is create a Mammoth um, Indian elephant hybrid. Okay. Right? There's, the, we actually met the scientists. They uh, know about the game. Nice. They invited us up to Harvard. We went and toured their lab and wow. met all the people that are behind the scenes on this, which was really wild. And um, what they want to do is uh, the Dr. Church, who headed up the, the program, helped okay. develop CRISPR, which is like a gene editing okay. uh, kind of program that sure. they're using to work on cancer research, a lot of great things. Oh, wow. But it, what it does is let you edit the DNA. Okay. So they're looking at taking the Indian elephant Finding them in the mammoth DNA, because they've actually got some frozen mammoths, some decent DNA. Yeah, right, right. Finding the things that let the mammoth live in the cold weather, uh -huh. and then editing that into the Indian elephant's DNA wow. to create a cold weather elephant. Now, the next question you probably have is, why? <laughs> why do that? I, right. I wasn't going to say it, but... <laughs> All right, well, that's where the game kind of intersects okay. with the story. Yeah. So in the game, and this is prototype um, art, because it's kickstarting October 1st. The box cover, like the, the art behind the box cover, the layout's going to be a little different, but that's, that's final. Yeah, yeah. He's working on the, the rest of the stuff. Um, the game represents a real place in Siberia called Place to Scene Park. Okay. And what they're concerned about there is the permafrost is melting in the tundra. Okay. And trapped under the permafrost is carbon dioxide and methane, and they're worried about that getting into the atmosphere might be bad. Right, sure. So they had an idea that um, let's convert the tundra back to what it was like when the mammoths were around. So All we're right. going to bring in a bunch of animals, like herding animals, like bison and uh, musk ox and horses, caribou. And what the idea is, is they, during the winter, pound down the snow, because snow's actually right. insulating. So yeah, if you pound yeah. it down, the cold penetrates more. And then as they graze and, you know, take care of the, you know, the, the, the tundra is really not that biodiverse. It's like moss and shrubs and stuff. But as they graze and, and tear up the, 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 the shrubs, and it, turns, it actually turns the tundra into like this area of grasses and flowers. Uh -huh. oh. and, and that's actually more reflective during the spring. So they've proven that they can actually increase the permafrost doing this. Okay. They have 20,000 acres are doing this. But... You just have to create the mammoth again. Yeah, they're that's using all. tanks instead of the mammoth. They're using <laughs> Soviet-era tanks to, to push down the snow. Which are also good for the environment. Yeah, right. You know, so. Well, that's the idea. The mammoths are going to be better for the environment than the tanks. So the, the Harvard scientists had this idea that they could bring back the mammoth, but they really didn't want to do it just to do it. Sure, right. sure. You know, that just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. Right. But then they heard about this. We learned that from Jurassic Park. Yes, that's right. <laughs> that's right. In fact, the, Dr. Church was on Colbert, and the first thing Colbert asked him was, so what are you developing that's going to end humanity? <laughs> and the that's guy was great. Question. He's really a low-key guy. You know, he spun <laughs> it off and, you know, said, we're not doing that. We're trying to help humanity, actually. So there goes my... There you lost your... Yeah, your where's that? Cable. It's not the correct cable. I apologize. Oh, is it right here? Yeah. 
Okay, there we go. And we're back. Whoa, now I'm really loud. So that was why I didn't hear a lot of things. So, okay. So, so Dr. Church said, you know what? If we can do this, yeah, we'll start propagate a herd up there and then help the environment. And uh, if that right. works, you can, you, know, you can recreate the mammoth step. When the mammoths were around, it was flowers and everything was great, you know, really, yeah, right. really fertile. So in the game, we're replicating that transformation. Okay. So the game board starts out, I have these pieces on here just to give us uh, when I start talking about it, but the game board start out blank and yeah. it represents the tundra. Again, prototype art, it'll have, you know, some puddles and some shrubs on sure, it probably. Sure. And you play a mammoth. We have our little mammoth figures here. And you're going to play a mammoth, and as we lay the tiles down, they're all colors, um, different okay. flowers. Yeah. And actually, the blue is going to be green because we did some research. There really weren't any blue flowers back in mammoth times. <laughs> all right. Um, Who knew? Yeah. <laughs> well, we, we do have an idea of what was there because we found stomach contents and things oh, and yeah. seeds. So sure. they actually they actually knew. Um, so, um, but when we're done, we're going to transform this tundra into a wonderful place of flowers and grasses. Cool. So it's a tile laying game with um, octagons and squares. Uh-huh. All right. Which is kind of unique. There's not a lot of games out there that use octagons. Um, and what you do is you're going to play, you're going to get a hand of four. Okay. Okay. You don't show them. I'm putting them down so we can, we can see. Right. Um, and at the first play of the game, you're going to have to pick a square to start a color. Okay. All right, so I'm looking at my hand. Blue is looking good for me. Right. So I'm right. going to start my mammoth. So that's your first turn. It's kind of everybody picks a color. Sort of pick where you start on the board. Where you, start. Yeah. you can't start in the center, in the, um, but you can start any place else. And you can all be the same color if you want. That's probably not the best play, but you can. Sure. Yeah. It depends okay. on your hands. Yeah. All right, once I do that and we all pick our color, like this player picked red, the next thing we can do is play tiles to grow our color. Okay. All right. So um, here's an, I'm going to do a different one because I want to. All right. So I grew my color. So that's a legal play. Right. Another thing you can do at some point during the game, you want to claim a path. And every, every, um, every color has a different animal, actually. Okay. That existed during the mammoth step. So this is a bison. Gray has my favorite, the woolly rhino. Well, right. All there right? you go. And uh, a muskox over here. And then uh, a type of horse. I forget the specific type of horse, but <laughs> a white it, one. It was yeah. actually these colors are going to be different for right. the game. But sure. for my 3D printer, these were the nice colors I had. <laughs> right. So that's got a particular name that was actually native to the mammoth step. So cool, everybody. But that's what you use to claim your path. Then once you have a path down, you can also play tiles, regardless of color, color to grow your path. Okay. Right? So that's what you do. You play a tile that has to grow your color or your path. Okay. At the end of the game, you get one point for every uh, tile that's in your path. Okay. All right, and it's like Ticket to Ride, the longest continuous, because they right. can branch and loop sure. and stuff. Sure. Sure. Um, and you'll get one point for every tile in your color grouping. Okay. All right, but during the game, if you manage to close off your color grouping, uh -huh. you can you take your you, you score it right away, and then you can come in with a different Somewhere group and else. start someplace else. Nice. Right? Okay. Um, whenever you place a square, including the beginning, and the squares are always available. You can turn in your tile. So, like, if I had at the beginning of the game, um, if I had, um, you know, these aren't good for blue. I can turn those in and grab two more. And anytime you play a square, you can do that. So okay. that lets you, if you get stuck with a hand, you could usually play a square. Nice. Right. So, like, for example, I could play a square. Again, I don't care about color because it grows my path. Gotcha. So that's that's the rules for tile lane. Now, 
you'll score for those colors and paths, but you can also score colors along the way if you're creative in how you play your tiles. Okay. Right? So if I can grow a tile, you know, grow my color, and my mammoth can move right to it, doesn't have to walk through another tile to get it, I can leave a biocycle token behind. All right? Okay. And um, biocycle bio token helps fertilize and everything. That's, that's Leave that behind. So there is one point. And we track those points on the, the, on the score track, the score around, track the around the edge. Yeah, yeah. yeah, okay. The other stuff will score when it happens, either at the end or when you pull off. Cool. Now, another way to score points, and usually this is the way you get your big points as you're placing tiles, is if I can place a tile that grows my color, but also grows another color, whether it's, whether it's claimed by a mammoth or not, uh -huh. um, you always move the mammoth to the new tile. Now, no biocycle token because I had to travel through. Right. But I will get to put a flower token. These will be actually um, cardboard in, the, in okay. the final game. Yeah, We're trying yeah. to get the cost uh, reasonable. Um, and there'll be nice little flowers on there, yeah, etc. Yeah. So I would place that there because I drew, I'm doing well. I not only grew my color, I grew somebody else. Cool. So I get three points for that. Nice. So usually a good player is one that can, you know, grow multiple colors. Grow yours, grow And others, something else as they're going. Around. Exactly. Nice. So once we, um, the game goes until all the octagons are filled, all right? Okay. And then you finish off the round because people might be able to put squares in, all right? Right. Um, whoever, you know, from the first player. Um, and that's pretty much one version of the game. <laughs> one wait. version of the game. Yes. But wait, yes. there's more. So that's the competitive version. Oh, oh, wait, I did miss one thing. You got a baby mammoth. One time during the game, you can take a second turn. Okay. All right, so you put your baby mammoth out to show that you did that, and then you can immediately take another turn. Nice. All right, okay. after, after you yep. draw up. So that's it. Whoever gets the most points at the end after you do the road, and if somebody's still in a color grouping, um, you pull that up. Sometimes people like to just not close off and have this huge grouping of 20-some points at the end. Right, right. You can win that way, or you can win by closing each other off, you know, closing groups off and bouncing around. Cool. Um, so that at Soaring Rhino, we like to try and be innovative in everything we do, do something different. So with Mammoth, we said, you know what? After we came up with this great game that we really liked, mm -hmm. we were thinking about the theme and thinking about the, uh, the scientists, and we're like, this really wants to be co-op. Yeah. Because sure. you're like you're working, to, you know, you're right. working together Everybody's to transform. Trying to make everything better. So and we make it right. we decided, you know what? Let's design a co-op and give people a competitive game and a co-op game in the same box. Nice. So that was what we did. So now the co-op, instead of playing as a mammoth, um, trying to you know do the best you can, the co competitive game, it's whoever's the best mammoth at transforming. Right. In the co-op, you play as scientists. All right? Okay. So one thing we need to do is bring in our research centers because we can't live as scientists at negative 30 degrees during the winter. It's mammoth, not advisable. Got to bundle up, but we need places to go. Okay. All right, so there's our research center. Now what we have is... When you play co-op, again, all prototype here, you have sets of goals. So okay. we have uh, color goals, yeah. all right? And we have path goals. Ooh, watch that P. All right, <laughs> we have path goals. And what you do is you randomly take one of each. Okay. So there's our color goal for the game. And here will be our path goal for the game, all right? Okay. Plays two to four, so these kind of scale based on players. Right, okay. Um, but I'll talk through like a four-player game. So in this game, we need to have somebody create a, a huge yellow 
uh, color grouping of 22 squares, at least 22 squares. Okay. So we're going to probably, you know, whoever's got the best yellow hand to start, They're gonna get we're going to set on them that. up and kind of stay out of their way, right, right. leave a big area for them. Then we also have to have paths. Two of the path goals deal with the research stations. Okay. We're going to have to have a path coming from each research station that's at least 13 tiles long. Mm. So if it's a four-player, you know, okay, you're going to take care of one of the paths, I'll take care of one of the paths, that person will do the yellow. And then we also need to score down here. You add these numbers together. So we need 40, 54 token points. Not We don't score our roads or anything because that's right. the thing. We have yep. to have 54 points just by putting these tokens down. Okay. Right. So we got to work together yeah. while doing these, but also try and get the flower points when we can. Right. 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 So we have to do that, all three of those things, before all the octagon tiles are played. Now, you've played co-ops, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. What's one of the big problems with Quarterbacking. Quarterbacking, yeah. alpha player, right, whatever right. you want to yep. call it. So we don't like that. So what we, what we try, Not many people do. No, 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 no. So what we tried to do is come up with a system to kind of minimize that. Okay. All right. So in the co-op version, you don't really use um, your actions are dictated by cards. You don't okay. have the freedom to just place tiles. Um, so these are the four actions that are going to be available during the co-op, and okay. and they're similar to the competitive. So if you take this action card, you must place a square or okay. trade in tiles. Remember, anytime you have a square. Um, you can trade in. Yeah. So you don't have to place the, place the square, you can just trade in. But that's what that does. Um, this one I'll wait because that one's new for the co-op. This one is place a square or an octagon to grow your color. Uh-huh. But your mammoth has to be able to move to it. Okay. So sometimes as the board progresses, your mammoth, remember you move your mammoth to the to tile you place all the time. Right. Sometimes your mammoth gets trapped and that won't work for somebody. Sure. This means place an octagon to grow your road or your color. Okay. This one's new in the co-op. This means you can place to grow somebody else's color. Oh, okay. Right? Which is good for, you know, when you get these color, big color groupings. Right, I can help grow, grow yellow. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so what we have is those are the four types of actions. And then we have a deck, you know, that's made up of, you know, multiples of that. Right. So we shuffle up that deck. And this is how the turn works in the co-op. We're going to put out, in a four-player game, we put out one for each player plus one. Okay. Now... Before we see these, we're going to take our hands of cards, and we're not showing our tiles to each other. Right. Now, we're scientists, and we're going to plan our day. What okay. are we going to do with our mammoths today? So I'm going to look at my tiles, and I'm going to say, can I figure out what actions I would like? Yeah. All right? Let's say I need a square because I, need to, I don't have any good tiles in my color. I'm like, I really need a square, guys. <laughs> I, I can't really do much of anything unless I get a square. Yeah. So I let them know. Maybe the player over there is, it says, um, I'm pretty flexible. I, where my mammoth is, I think I could do anything, any sure, one of those. Sure. person over there is like, I got a great tile to grow you and get us flowers. So if that yeah. grow another is there, let me have that. person over here is like, you're the player there. You're like, I need a square, but I can move my mammoth to it. All right? Yeah. So, but I would like a square if I could. Right. So after we discuss and kind of plan out what we're going to do, and, and you can also say, you know, well, Wait, the road's here. If you can, let's, you know, you can kind of like, yeah, yeah, we should, yeah. you know, leave this open. How's it going? You, you kind of make your, your choices. Right. But once we decide we're done planning, we show these. Now, this is what we have available to us this round. And sometimes square's not there, and then, then you got then to you gotta kind of think on your feet. Readjust, But yeah. we can't talk now. So okay. in, in turn order... So the out player can't tell me what action to take. Mm -hmm. the t in turn order, and it rotates in the co-op, 
mm-hmm. somebody's going to take um, an action card. So hopefully you remember what we talked about. <laughs> right. And so this player is like, oh yeah, I'm flexible. I'm going to take that one. Yeah. This player's like, good. This is what I wanted. That's I wanted exactly to grow somebody need, else. Right. And there's only two of those, so that's not always going to pop up. Okay. So hopefully he gave an alternative sure. if that wasn't there. Yeah. And then you're like, you remembered I needed this square, but you needed a square too, but you said you could move your mammoth. So yeah. you take that one, and then it leaves me this one. This one goes to discard, and eventually it'll come back because you're going to play through right. the deck. You just shuffle through yeah. Right. yeah. And um, so then, now that we've done that, in turn order, we take our actions. Mm-hmm. Now, here's how it works. You can't tell me what, you don't show your tiles. I can't tell you what tile to place. But right, once right. you put your tile down, you're like, oh, let's just say it was like this. You're like, oh, I want to grow the red here. But then we can say, oh, wait, 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 wait a minute. If you do this... You grow the red. Actually, you don't. Let's turn it this way. You grow the red. See, it's connected now. Yeah, you grow yeah. the red, but you also grow yellow, so we can get flower points for that. Right. So right. you can discuss. Once they show you the tile, mm. you can kind of have a discussion time. There's some, yeah, there's there's some, some way to discuss. Deliberations yeah, exactly. Yeah. And if you close off, you, can, you come back immediately. In the comp- competitive, you have to wait a turn. But mm-hmm. in the co-op, you come back immediately, and that's also a discussion point. Okay, you closed off there. That's great. Now, why don't you go over here and help him with the road somehow? You know, start a color over there. Yeah, yeah. That would be good, too. So there is a discussion point there. But then we discard all these, start a new pile, and we go, go around, planning, go yeah. around again and, and keep and, going yeah, yeah. until hopefully we... Do all those. <laughs> you can get, yeah. And then we win. Cool. And uh, hopefully the first time you lose. Because I feel like you should lose a co-op the first oh, time. Oh, yeah. you yeah. got to build to walk know how to game. do it. Yeah. 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 So, so it's almost like uh, it's like you're putting together a puzzle yes. in a way. Yes. But there's certain ways that you have to put it together. Like the picture is dictated exactly. by these yeah. goal cards. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's and it's, really cool. It's, it's, it's uh, interesting. Two players really cool because it is. I mean, it is a puzzle for two, three, four, but two, you really get that puzzle feel. It's like yeah. you're working together yeah. to try and do it. And one of the one of the cards, the goal cards, color cards is tricky with two. You have, this says you have to have one grouping of each color of 13 spaces. Oh my goodness. Now, yeah. with two players, you're only starting with two mammoths. So right. you have to close off. You have to work to yeah, close off right. to bounce to start the other color. But it's fun. It's really yeah, fun. The problem cool. with playtesting it with my brother and I is... We know how to play, so we <laughs> usually hit it. Right. But we know all the tricks. Right. You've, so that's you've why actually with it, you've shaken yeah, it upside exactly. down. Exactly. Yeah, so we yeah. have a play test group. Uh, a lot of people spread it out throughout the country. This is what's going out soon to them. Cool. The the competitive is done. Good. Right. But we right. got to work on make sure these points are difficult enough, in where it needs but not to be. too difficult, yeah, and yeah. tweak those. So. Uh, we got a great playtest group. Uh, we call it the cool. last 20 because they work on the last 20% of the game. Nice. It's kind of like nice. we get it 80% there, and yep. then that, that, and that last 20 is hard. Edge. Oh, yeah, it's hard. definitely. So definitely. these guys are great. They, we got a forum. They post and everything. It's cool. really cool. So. Very cool. But that's that's Mammoth. Cool. So this is hitting Kickstarter soon? October 1st. October yeah, 1st. we still got some time to, to you know, to play the test the, the, the co-op. And, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, and actually, part of the proceeds of the game are going to... The Mammoth Revival. Oh, stuff. awesome! Yeah, yeah, Very we're partnering cool. with another country, company called Rogue Mountain on this, and okay. um, they're um, they're the ones that actually Alan over at Rogue Mountain is the one that got connected with the scientists. Okay, like, nice. Uh, he kind of called my brother up and said, "Mammoth would be a good theme for a game." It's like a year ago. Yeah, why don't we try and do a Mammoth game? And then he got connected with these scientists, and they're like all excited about it. That's so, great. Hey, it's cool. Awesome. 
Well, Jeff, thank you so much for hey, showing it to thank us. Thank you for having me. Good luck with the Kickstarter. All right, and thank good you. Good luck with the rest of the show. All right. Really yeah, appreciate it's been it. Fun. Awesome. Thanks, man. Okay, you got it. There it is, folks. That is day three in the books. Man, what a busy day we had. It was amazing. Our giveaway was awesome. Our aisle was packed full of people. We probably had at least 80 to 100 people, if not more. We stopped traffic in our corner of the, the exhibit hall. It was super, super awesome. So thanks to everybody who listened. Congratulations to our winners. Thanks for coming out and uh, being a part of this special, special day for us. We just we love it. It's, it's so much fun giving away games and having a good time and uh, just seeing everybody get excited for winning cool stuff. So that is going to do it for Saturday at Origins. Thanks again for tuning in. The word on the street is that I'm Jeremiah Isley, and if you didn't know it, that's how I roll. Thanks for rolling with us today. That's How I Roll is produced by Jeremiah Isley and brought to you by Theology of Games. If you liked what you heard today, take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. Thanks for tuning in and drive safe.